Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. Happy holidays, everyone. Thank you for tuning in for episode 269 of the Human Performance Outliers podcast. I have been teasing this one for a bit in former show intros. Today, I had a discussion with Aaron Alexander. Aaron is a movement and alignment coach. This episode was recorded live at the running event in Austin, so we were limited to about an hour. Honestly, we could have recorded for multiple hours since we both agreed this will be the first part of conversations I will have with Aaron on HPO. For this episode, we discussed breathing or breath work the most, but also touched on different forms of movement and body alignment. There are some really good actionable tips from Aaron that you can even start implementing while listening to this episode. For those who have never heard of Aaron, he has worked with many high-level athletes, celebrities, and everyday people, included our Toby Maguire and Gerard Butler. He hosts the Alignment Podcast and authored a book called The Align Method, Five Movement Principles for a Stronger Body, Sharper Mind, and Stress-Proof Life. He is also getting ready to release his next book in early 2022. Aaron has great and entertaining content on his Instagram page, which you can find at Align Podcast. All right, before we welcome in Aaron, just a few announcements. If you like to hang out on social media, check out my social media channels for updates about HPO and what I am up to. You can find me on Instagram at Zach Bitter, on Twitter at ZBitter, and on Facebook at ZBitter Endurance and my website, ZachBitter.com. I have also spent some time the last couple months launching my newsletter. If you would like to receive that, head over to my website, ZachBitter.com forward slash newsletter to get signed up. If you enjoy this podcast and wish to support either monetarily or by sharing, liking, and subscribing, please head over to zachbitter.com forward slash HPO for options, which include joining my Patreon page, making a quick one-time donation, which includes options to avoid the need of joining a third-party platform, or simply subscribing to HPO on your favorite podcast listening or viewing platforms. You can also support HPO through the show sponsors. Details on all discounts and promotions from HPO show sponsors can be found at zachbitter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. That link is in the show notes. Sponsoring this episode are my friends at Bioptimizers and Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker brings you top-notch blood panels, coaching, and analysis. You can get your blood work done and conveniently laid out on their database. It comes with a lot of very cool intuitive tools that will help walk you through where you are and how to get where you want to be. If you need additional support, you can also access their team of professionals to help guide you to optimization. By Optimizers wants you to know about their magnesium supplement called Magnesium Breakthrough. It is the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium, and you must get all of them if you want to experience its calming, sleep-enhancing effects. I will usually take two of these capsules right before bed at night. That's why I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. And as always, Bioptimizers offers their 360-day money-back guarantee, so you can try them risk-free and see for yourself if they work for you. You can head over to Bioptimizers.com dot com forward slash human and enter promo code human 10 that's human one zero to get 10 percent off your next order link and promo is in the show notes for that one you can also get 25 percent off your inside tracker blood panel order by heading to the inside tracker store which you can find at insidetracker.com and enter hpo pro 25 that's hpo pro 25 into the promo code slot again you can find all of these at zachbetter.com forward slash hpo sponsors or just check out the links in the show notes all right let's bring aaron on all right folks welcome back to another episode of the human performance outliers podcast we're coming to you live today from the running event in austin texas and i am really excited that one of my sponsors ultra footwear 
set us up with a booth to record podcasts here because I was able to meet up with one of my friends who lives in Austin, Aaron Alexander. And uh, for those of you who don't know Aaron, uh, you probably are familiar with some of his work. So Aaron has uh, the host of the Align podcast. He's written a book called Align. He's worked with some pretty big names in the entertainment and sports industry, including guys like, correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, but Tobey Maguire, um, Gerard Butler. They've had some pretty big movies, and uh, they're pretty fit for those movies, if I'm not mistaken. They've been fit, yeah. They're pretty fit guys, and you're at least partly responsible for them being that fit. Well, no. When 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 Gerard was doing or Jerry was doing 300, I wasn't working with him at that point. Okay. So yeah, we were working in the last year as more like rehabilitatory, kind of getting him back on track type, gotcha. type, type direction. Yeah. So you're the cleanup man. You're the guy who comes in after someone's the done the damage. I've that's, been the cleanup. Yeah. Let's jump into that because I think that's the, <laughs> the the interesting part of like your story. And actually, before we jump into that, I do have to share something. When I before I knew you. Uh, our mutual friend Justin Wren, uh, I'm a big fan of him, and I, I find myself looking at his Instagram account anytime he's posting something. And one day I look there, and here he is in a in a gym, presumably, and he's being hoisted up uh, and doing like yoga, but it looked like acrobatic yoga. And the listeners might be thinking, oh well, if we see Aaron, yeah, he could probably pick up Zach and throw him around pretty easily. But Justin's more of a Viking than than a runner, a legitimate so. Viking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what exactly were you guys doing in that? Uh, so that is Acro Yoga, mm-hmm. uh, founded by a good friend called Jason Niemer, who also lives out here in Austin, uh, or co-founded by Jason Niemer. And essentially what it is, is it's, it's kind of like combining certain acrobatics along with certain yoga poses, but the therapeutic side of it kind of looks like playing airplane with mm-hmm. your dad, yeah. you know, and you pick him up on your feet and you kind of drape your hips over a person's feet. And then from there... The person's upside down, you know, so you can decompress their spine and open mm-hmm. up with hip mobility. And it's a really beautiful way to start to um, access different parts of the body, um, different joints and connective tissue and parts of the, the central nervous system mm-hmm. that would be less available if someone's just walking around or laying down. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So when I, when I saw that and then I came into town and Justin's like, oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to meet Aaron. I, he wants to be on his podcast. So... I was excited to, to be a guest on your podcast, and it was a fun conversation there. Uh, but we're turning the tables a little bit on this one, and I think uh, I'm interested in a few things. I've, I've been doing a little bit of homework on kind of just like what your your process is like and trying to connect some dots as to like where maybe some of that stuff would be good application for running. So I think it'll be fun to talk about that stuff. But before we get into it, could you just give us maybe a brief description of kind of what the Align Method and what exactly it is kind of your focus so the Align Method is a book that the, the expanded revised version is coming out January 11th. So whenever this comes out, January 11th, 2022. Um, and essentially, it's the overarching theme of it is more of a philosophy on how to move more effectively in your daily life. Mm-hmm. So many of us have been educated on how to exercise better or maybe how to run better or how mm-hmm. to do yoga better or dance better, a specific movement in a specific place. At a specific time, 6.30 at the studio, you got the bar up, you know, and you're really paying attention to the way that you move and then maybe the way that you breathe. Um, but the Align Method is a, a user's manual on how to integrate those consistent concepts that you get from any type of movement practice into who you are as a person as opposed to a thing that you do for 45 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. And so that gets into the way that we breathe, the mechanics of breathing, the meaning of breath. Um, the meaning of the breath, meaning, you know, as we're sitting here having this conversation, if you c- we're, we're reading each other through the manner in which we breathe, mm-hmm. we're reading each other through postural patterns, through facial expressions, the pacing of our language, the tone of our voice, you know, so literally if someone walks into a room and they're breathing maybe through their mouth and it's really fast, <sighs> and you're like, Hey dude, like, like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm totally okay. I'm totally fine. You're like, okay, but like your whole physiological picture is saying something is hyperventilating. What is going on? (laughs) You know, and so understanding, like, first, like, we're telling a story with our bodies, and then giving people the the tools or the awareness uh, on how to start to kind of write their own story, and that's the function of the Align Method book is going into um, 
the thing is, if you were learning how to drive a car, you'd get a you know a driver's manual. You mm -hmm. might get a coach. You know, he sits with you, driver's ed. Uh, we never got that with our physical bodies from being mechanically sound in the way we move, but also accessing our senses and you know the way that we think and the way that we feel. All of that's tied into movement, and that's what the Align Method book gets into. That's really interesting. I think uh, you've. Uh made me kind of think a level deeper than maybe I have been historically with running because one thing I always found interesting is with the sport of running, you have this situation where unlike maybe other sports where there are team sports, where especially impact sports, you do a fair bit of just like teaching like, you know, for football how to tackle or, you know, how to properly like slide in soccer or something like that before you get out there and just really go after it. Whereas running, it seems like when kids get into it, it's kind of like, oh, well, you know how to run, just go out there and do it. And like you said with the owner's manual, like it doesn't really always come with that. So I find myself teaching like run better techniques and like things to like work on with form and mechanics. But perhaps like I'm not even taking it back a step far enough where, like you said, people need to learn how to just use their bodies in general before they even get around to looking at like a specific sport and the mechanics of that. Yeah. Is that kind of where you're rooting some of that in? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, we could talk about breathing. It seems like it's be a sensible direction to go mm -hmm. into with that, you know, and so with breathing when you're running there's different levels to examine the breath from one would be coming from a mechanical lens and saying is my diaphragm in a position to be able to efficiently pull my lungs down and then is there enough space in around my my rib cage in order to allow that space for my lungs to be able to fully expand mm -hmm. you know and then what's my relationship with my you know my abdominal muscles my pelvic floor muscles and relationship to my feet if there's imbalance happening anywhere below my lungs my diaphragm then that tension has to trickle up someplace mm -hmm. so you can't be walking around with you know say you've some type of of impingement happening in your your hip or your ankle or something that's causing tension in the body your body will then compensate and that tension will spiral up through the rest of the system, limiting the potential, you know, respiratory potential that you may have. Mm -hmm. now, so for starters, thinking of just like a, a really common thing with people is for people to flare their ribs. Like that's a, a thing you see pretty ubiquitously because people are trying to, you know, if you want to raise your arms up over your head, we lack range of motion in our, in our shoulder girdles. So going up into flexion is challenging. And then the tendency will be to flare the ribs mm -hmm. out which then creates instability in that relationship of the rib cage and the pelvis and the hips. You know, so just a starting point is being able to relax into your breath. You know, so if you're sitting down in a chair, you can find the, the sit bones that I see you're, like, you're well-placed on right now. Mm -hmm. You know, so you can reach underneath your butt cheeks, find those little bones, sure. you know, the ischial tuberosities. And get, you can reach your butt back just a little bit so you're on the, very slightly on the front edge of those sit bones. You know, if you're on the front edge of the sit bones, then suddenly you're tilted your pelvis forward ever so slightly. The bottom vertebra, L5-S1, those are actually more of a shape of a wedge. So their natural movement pattern would be pinging forward slightly. Mm -hmm. Then from there, you can really rest and relax with strength into your, into your pelvis. Now, from that point, just starting to notice that breath in the, into the side of the ribs, into the low back, into the abdomen. Oftentimes in the yoga world, you get coached to like just breathe into the belly, and then you just end up distending your belly out and not really actually engaging that diaphragmatic breath. Mm -hmm. So a starting point would be thinking, stabilizing my feet into the ground. If I'm sitting on a chair, stabilizing my pelvis onto the chair. And then from there, can I really just like let my shoulders drop, like bring your shoulders up to your ears for a second, hold them up there, squeeze tight, and then just let them sink down. Now from there, take a slow inhalation through the nose and start to notice that breath. Specifically, put your hands on the side of the ribs. And just feel that breath moving into the side of the ribs. Allow the ribs to slightly tuck down towards the hips as opposed to flaring out forward. All right, so now we're creating a stack. You know, we're stacking the cylinder from our, our pelvis up to our respiratory diaphragm, up to our neck, up to our shoulders, up to our head. And then the body's able to relax into its skeletal structure. If it can relax into itself, then it's able to get a breath without having that, that, that tension. And then, you know, we can go on to the part of like, um, you know, a lot of people are, are over breathing. Sure. Which is a thing. 
You know, so if we're just sitting here, it's an opportunity to be training our breath. But this now we're going kind of deeper into like the like our chemical physiology. Mm-hmm. So there's the structural part. But then if we're sitting here and we are, say, breathing through our mouths or we're just taking more breath than is necessary, and then it's making our red blood cells less effective at releasing oxygen into our blood seam, into our bloodstream in order to be able to perform. So a practice, so it's like, okay, cool. So I'm sitting, I'm at the bank, you know, you're training s- for your next seemingly event. nothing going on. <laughs> but meanwhile, it's like, whoa, like I'm alive. I'm feeling the weight distribution into my feet. If I'm sitting down, I'm feeling that weight distribution in my hips. I'm feeling the breath into my low back, tractioning my lower back and the side of my ribs. I'm really feeling that diaphragm descending. I'm utilizing my, my nose to breathe. Your nose has 30, 30 plus different functions for respiration. Your mouth has pretty much none. Like your mouth is built to, to eat food. Your nose is built to breathe. And so as you're breathing through your nose, you know, you're, you're releasing more nitric oxide, you're filtering the air, you're warming or cooling the air, depending upon the temperature. Um, and if you can slow that breath down, which breathing through the nose dramatically does, um, I don't know how much, I think it's like two times less air comes through the nose at a time. I don't remember the exact number, but it, sno- it slows it down dramatically. Uh, you're making your body literally more effective at being able to process the available oxygen that it has, as opposed to being kind of like wasteful and slobbish. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting topic because I think people want to always jump right to like performance in the sport. So if with right. running, it's like you get into like a race that's like you know 15 minutes where you're just trying to get as much oxygen as you can at some point. Uh, but which I think is you know maybe a very specific area where maybe that is kind of the trade-off for peak performance. But that doesn't mean you got to be doing that all the time. I kind of like liken it to like if I'm driving like a sports car, some of the huge engine, and it, it's like. I really don't need that to kind of drive to the grocery store or back. I'm kind of wasting that that uh, that maximum potential of that when I could more efficiently do it on on a bike like you got here today, yeah. <laughs> something then, like that. Yeah. So it's it's how the winners are going to be the, the the people that integrate health and functionality and vitality and joy, mm-hmm. you know, and like like joie de vivre. Yeah. Into your daily existence and attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you don't pay attention, then someone else who is paying attention will end up capturing your energy. The benefits of that. Yeah. Right. The interesting too, thing about it is like one, when I listen to you talk about this stuff, the first thing I think of is like you're taking things that people have more or less just settled on being like intuitive and some of the things they look at as a good was like, well, I'm glad I don't have to think about breathing because that'd be a pain to have to think about that all the time. Or I'm glad I don't have to think about my posture uh, and I can just kind of do that so I can more or less get on to something else. Whereas what you're doing is like you're basically ruining any excuse for boredom because if I'm sitting here doing nothing, you know, my first impulse might be, where's my phone? Where's that social media account? But really, like, I could probably get a lot more value in, like what you said, starting to pay attention to things like, well, how am I positioned and how is that impacting me? Like, how is my breathing and how is that impacting my, my state of mind as well as just, like, my, my thought process? And that's, that's what meditation is, mm-hmm. which ultimately, like, people, people like you, yeah, you know, that are, are running really long races um, and doing different things of the sort, like, you guys are, like, master meditators i would say mm-hmm. you know where you're just uh, like anapanasati is essentially sati means mindfulness or like to remember to focus on and then um the anapana part refers to breath you know so if you're just sitting down observing your breath for a while mm-hmm. that practice of drifting away thinking about your bills thinking about texting the girl thinking about you know whatever stuff you got to do and then come, okay back to the breath and then drifting away, and then back to the breath, and then mm-hmm. drifting away. But every time you bring your attention back to that, that focal point, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just the, the specific practice of a lot of meditation practices sure. are, okay, breath. It's a pretty obvious vehicle to come back to. When you are doing that, you're literally, you're, you're, you're teaching yourself how to have the superpower of attention. And you're literally changing the structural makeup of your brain. Like the gray matter around the hippocampus is increasing you know, mm-hmm. around the amygdala. It's decreasing. The amygdala is you know, notorious for like being like a fear center. Obviously, there's more to neurology than just like one specific place controlling everything. But just you bringing awareness into attention 
changes your structural physiological makeup in real time. It's insane. When you like yeah. step back, you're like, oh my God, like I am, I am responsible for, I'm, I'm, I'm like the, the engineer and the foreman of building this, this brilliant piece of technology that I call Stu, mm-hmm. you know, or, or Aaron or Zach. And it's, in, it's under construction 100% of the time. You know, so we have our structural system, you know, being our, you know, the muscles in our feet and tendons and ligaments and knees and hips and all that stuff. That's being constructed all the time mm-hmm. based off of our physical positions. It's and re- then we also have the mental emotional part. It's just a matter of you taking the reins if you choose to. Yeah, it's really interesting because I feel like what you're doing is you're kind of creating purpose where people have forgotten purpose in. And I think that's just a valuable skill set to think about in terms of just being able to appreciate your existence and being able to appreciate what you have in front of you versus, you know, maybe going down a negative mindset. Uh, The breathing stuff, I think, also has some application in terms of just creating an environment where you're mentally and then likely physically better prepared for an activity that is going to take a big physical effort and a big mental effort is there like any practices you would recommend with like the breathing stuff as to like say one of the questions i'll to get from my coaching clients is we'll get closer and closer to the race and they'll start to realize well i'm really getting nervous i'm getting anxious mm-hmm. and i usually talk to them about well let's think about this like let's look at all the training you did let's justify that you're ready to kind of appease that but i have to think there's some breathing practice could maybe lower that anxiety or lower yeah, that sure. that stress that would maybe be useful especially maybe the morning of a race before they're going to head out to the starting line or the night before if they're having a hard time falling asleep because they're thinking about what they're about yeah, to a do. Million, a million percent. So one, it's like, you know, what's the, what's the thing? People, someone gets, like, it is an overnight success, but it's based off of 20 years of work. Right. And then suddenly someone notices, like, oh, that's pretty cool. It's like, yeah, 20 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of work <laughs> And I've been paying attention. <laughs> Not me specific, but just in general. Uh-huh. Like, I think that's your breath that's your body that's your mind that's you know all of the things and so you know the best time to plant a tree was yesterday the second best time is right now Mm -hmm. you know so start engaging with that relationship of your breath now you know so it's not a thing where you're like cramming homework you're cramming for your homework assignment the night before because it takes a second for your physiology to catch up and um, the, the big thing would be per mentioned getting into to slowing down the amount that you're breathing in general, mm-hmm. you know, so reducing the demand that your body has for air so that when you do end up being under some type of you know, respiratory load, like you're just, you're, you're like getting at the end of the line there, um, your body's already trained up. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are stressed out, then emphasizing the exhalation is a really valuable tool. So when you are inhaling, you're activating more of that sympathetic side of the nervous system. It's kind of notorious for like the, the fight, flight, like get up and at them kind of side of the nervous system. And then when you're in that, that exhalation phase, that's going more into that parasympathetic. Rest, digest, calm, heal, restore, repair. You know, so and if you think about that, like if you get scared or anxious, you're freaked out suddenly, what do you do? You go, <gasps> mm-hmm. right? That's, your, that's the way that you like... W- that's an autonomic act like your your body just responds it's it's being played by the environment like that's it's ingrained it's the hardware of the way that you function and when you feel like you know you can relax and you're safe you know and the lion has been slayed and you're with your wife and you're like (laughs) you go (sighs) right so that long exhalation literally will put your body it'll trigger your body to say okay Zach's calm when Zach can go the only reason Zach would do that is because he's calm. If he goes, <gasps> the only reason he does that is because he's about to fight something. Uh-huh. You know, so emphasizing that long exhalation be a beautiful thing. So you could do like different forms of box breathing is a common one. Like four seconds in, hold for four seconds, four seconds out, hold for four seconds, do that, repeat. In the Align Method book, I do kind of like a spin off of that. And I just emphasize the elongation of the exhalation because I think most people in general are a little bit more like spun up. Their mm-hmm. nervous system's a little bit more, you know, upregulated. Um, you know, so going through something like that of just box breathing, but instead of doing four seconds on each one, I would emphasize maybe go six seconds or even eight seconds on the exhalation and try that. I mean, try that right now. I, I guarantee 
If you do that for a round of six times, your blood pressure will change, your mood will change, your general outlook will change. It's just a matter of doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. You know, like, we all know what to do. You know, at least now, now we do in this specific topic. It's just a matter of doing it. Putting into practice and thinking yeah. about it. It's really, you know, it's taking something that we all, like you said, we all know how to do. We just need that directive to put it in the, into the routine. And I think it's probably one of those things where maybe the first week or so it feels a little bit kind of unnatural to force yourself to do it. But then after a while you find yourself just kind of almost identifying those situations in which you can do it and taking advantage of them versus kind of letting them fall by the wayside when you're not necessarily consciously aware of it. I would also recommend you could do uh, breath holds with regularity. So a fun, I had um, recently just did a podcast on my my podcast, which you've, you've been on as well, with a guy called um, Patrick McEwen, who wrote The Oxygen Advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, he also reviewed the 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 nose breathing chapter in the Align Method book. I was very thankful for that because he's like, the guru with this conversation. I, I would recommend having him on here at some point okay. as well. He's awesome. Um, James Nestor is another good resource mm-hmm. for this stuff. Um, but an exercise that I got from him, which originally comes from from the Buteco method, uh, is you know so nose breathing like all the time. Tape your mouth at night is another thing. Like really making sure that you're nose breathing, and we can get into some of the other values of that. Uh, but as you're taking a walk, an exercise you could do would be. Um, as you're walking between some distance, maybe say two phone poles or some amounts of trees, like pick your distance based off of your own skill set with this. Um, do a long exhalation out through the nose, and then from one point, take a walk and have build up that 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 air thirst, you know, mm-hmm. that need to breathe, and kind of just slowly start to nudge yourself a little bit beyond comfort level, and then make sure you're inhaling back through the nose and then try to recapture your breath as quickly as possible. So that's a really fun, like I find it to be kind of, some of this stuff can feel a little like esoteric, feminine, you know, just okay, sit passively and observe your breath. Like, okay, come on. This is like, you're engaged to do this. Like, I think it's much more like masculine, like, you know, get after it kind of exercise. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I really enjoy doing and I think it's incredibly helpful and it relates to actually, you know, walking, ambulating, moving interesting is there like a reverse to that too where like i think there's a point even in long endurance races where like now i need a strike can you kind of hack that system too with your breath work where it's like i want to really fire things up and get that kind of anxiety induced adrenaline going so so yeah so that's brian mckenzie is another great resource he also reviewed the the breathing chapter in my book uh excuse me I'm choking on electrolytes, yeah. <laughs> as one does at a running convention. Yeah, right. right. We can all relate. Yeah. Um, so I borrowed an, a concept from uh, Brian McKenzie, and I think someone else came up with this with him. But the concept was treating your breath like a gear system. Mm-hmm. And so we have this in the Align Method book as well, a la Brian. Um, are you familiar with Brian? I've, I've some semi. I don't. I don't okay. know him or anything. But okay, he's uh, great. I'd be happy to connect you guys at some point. Yeah, well, he would love to know. Great you guy. I'm gonna well. have a whole list of of guests. Yeah, we'll to keep bring on going. We're we'll gonna have a rabbit hole started yeah, here. Exactly. But you guys would be great together. Um, but so the the gear system approach is starting off like first gear, thinking of first gear is inhale through the nose, exhale through the nose, you know, and then working your way up first, second, third, fourth. Eventually, fifth gear is full on, like. In through the mouth, out through the mouth, in through the mouth, out through the mouth, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, you know, second gear in through the nose, out through the mouth and like so on and so forth all the way through. Um, acknowledging that each there's no gear that's more right or more wrong than the other. It's just realizing that they're all tools. Mm-hmm. And if you're utilizing the correct tool for the correct job, you're winning. But if you are just hanging out, you know drinking like a mcdonald's slurpy milkshake whatever and like a double whopper and <sighs> you're losing yeah, <laughs> like, it's twice, wrong right? tool <laughs> <laughs> wrong scenario <laughs> you know like enter the state of you know united states of america slash you know yeah. whatever, whatever. and there's a lot of good things about the world as well you know but we we I think if, and this kind of comes back to like paying attention, if we allow ourselves to just be dust in the wind Mm -hmm. in modernity, I think it would be very easy to turn into that person that's mouth breathing over a whopper. Mm -hmm. 
you know and so it, I, I with so s- stepping back when can we utilize is there a time to leverage that fifth gear and even practice that fifth gear yeah that's all like holotropic breathing and Wim Hof method and you know the Tumo meditation which kind of Wim built his method off of the Tumo meditation mm-hmm. um, and so that would be a way and I, I just did this just a couple days ago because I was at Barton Springs which is just down the street from here mm-hmm. and it was really cold outside and so before getting in the water my body felt pretty like chill you know like chill like down regulated calm and also chill like I was cold you know because I didn't work up any heat and so before I get in the water I go through and <sighs> yeah you know I go through 30 40 50 rounds of that breathing I do a long breath hold after that I do another round of that and then sure enough my body's warm you know, so mm-hmm. that's a beautiful instance where in that moment, in a matter of three, four minutes, I can upregulate my whole entire autonomic nervous system, put myself more into a state of, okay, there's a, an intruder in the room. Mm-hmm. It's time to Fire you know, up. either fight or, or get out of there or you know, figure it out. And so it's, it's just such a beautiful thing when you start to realize that you have all of these physiological and mental emotional toggles at your disposal. That is what your body is. It's like this recreational park of mm-hmm. toggle switches. And the breath is, is, is really, um, it's a primary toggle switch, if you understand the mechanics of how to utilize it. That's really interesting because I, I have, uh, or my wife and I live in Phoenix, and it's, it's almost hard to find houses sometimes without pools <laughs> because of how hot it gets in the summer. I find myself rarely using the pool in the summer. Uh, but in the winter, I love it because I can get a nice cold plunge in. And what I recognize when I do that is it's like you said, well, first of all, sometimes I'll sit there and stare at it for a couple of minutes and be like, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to yeah, do this? Eventually I get around to actually jumping in and uh, I always jump in the deep end just because it's like, all right, let's just, let's get just get with. this over with. Yeah. And it's like those first two, three seconds are just like, you just feel the anxiety peak. And then like I'll pop my head up. Like you said, I'll do big deep breaths. And you have like maybe 30, 60 seconds where you're like, this is unbearably cold. This is unbearably cold. I need to get out and all of a sudden it does kind of sink in where you can almost just feel the heat of your body start radiating off and you get more comfortable the longer you sit in there. So it's almost like you're, like you said, you flip that switch and your body says, okay, I see what's going on here. I need to provide more heat. Uh, And it's probably jumpstarted by that, that initial gasp for breath when you kind of first come out of that cold water. A little trick that happens with that as well is you'll actually, um, it's called a, a stress stress induced analgesic uh-huh. effect comes from going into that like hyperventilate hyperventilating sure so when you when you tell your body that something's going on it's literally it's preparing your body for war mm-hmm. or whatever some crazy stuff and so it will literally start to to um, desensitize your experience of of pain Oh, so okay. a part of what happens of like, why it's so weird when I do that breathing thing before getting into cold water or maybe say if I'm in a fight and I get punched in the face and I like break my nose, mm-hmm. it's like, well, I didn't really feel it the next day. Terrible experience. Yeah. You yeah. know, but in the moment, like, what is that? Uh-huh. It's like your body's working for you. Like your body's on your team. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, it's, it's, it's an, it's such an interesting thing that we, if we just understand First, that we have these toggles and these lever switches and then how to use them. Then the sky's the limit of what we can do with it. And then with the, with the cold water, more the cold stuff, I mean, you're, the composition of your body entirely changes when you expose it to cold with regularity. You know, so obviously there's, maybe not obviously, but probably obviously most people, there's the, the anti-inflammatory benefits mm-hmm. of being in cold water. Um, but literally, you already know this, I'm sure, but the composition of your fat changes to prepare yourself for that those cold temperatures in the future so white adipose you know like the fat that most of us think of like you know our jiggling butt or whatever Mm -hmm. starts to diminish and gets replaced with with brown adipose which is more metabolically efficient makes you burn calories more effectively Mm -hmm. so sometimes with like swimmers that are in you know water all the time cold water all the time they'll be not like not skinny fat's not the right term for that, but they'll almost have like a layer sure it's like they're it's like their body developed a wetsuit uh-huh yeah (laughs) <laughs> like whoa uh-huh. <laughs> like like the body like if you expose the body to really anything your body adapts to it mm-hmm. including if you expose the body to nothing your body adapts to it 
You know, so the, I think the, the the worst thing you can that can happen to somebody is is nothing at all. I don't I don't remember who said that, but I think it's a really interesting thing. Like to have some resistance to push against or push with, that's what allows your body to to grow. You know, and so when we're sitting, when we're living in a world that we've done such a good job at outsourcing most resistance to technology, mm-hmm. that's the worst thing that can happen to the human organism. Because then it just goes into kind of like chaos. Yeah, and then the people who thrive health and physically are going to be the ones who can like self-induce that hardship that would have been there otherwise since we have so many machines taking care of the ones that would happen to us by default. Hey folks, just a quick reminder, this episode sponsors by Optimizers Breakthrough Magnesium is offering 10% off their product with a 360-day money-back guarantee. And Inside Tracker is offering 25% off with promo code HPOPRO25 at InsideTracker.com. Links can be found in the show notes and at ZachBitter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. I want to I want to talk a little more about cold water stuff or cold exposure in general, yeah. but I want to circle back to one other thing before I lose it uh, sure. that you mentioned that I thought was interesting because when you were just describing that situation, like you're at the bank and you're sitting there, normally you would maybe just like completely tune out uh, rather than do that, like focus on doing those things like the posture, the breath and things like that. And then when you get distracted and zone out, just redirect and kind of continually work on that. Is that going to cross over? Cause I think like my thought about it is, especially with these long ultra marathons, is the hard part for people to solve is both the physical and mental aspect of doing something that is significantly longer than they would be able to do in training. And that's what I think makes the long ultra marathons unique. You can't really replicate it in training. You can try to like stack workouts and you know work on like mental tricks and things like that to get you to pretend you're experiencing what you're going to from like, say, mile 70 to mile 100. But really, you're not going to actually be able to experience that until you do it. So is there like, if we think of just like the mental side of that right now, if you're doing that sort of practice where you're trying to focus on these different things, these natural things that uh, a lot of us are doing wrong or just not paying attention to anymore and doing that redirect, is that going to potentially feed into being able to stay focused during a race too and, and perhaps work that brain muscle a little bit? So come race day, you just have a little more resilience when you would maybe fade away mentally at the end of a long race like that? I mean... I would say would have to. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not like an ultra sure, marathon yeah. athlete to say <laughs> like combine our minds to answer this question. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm like, I feel like I'm gonna, I'm gonna bounce this back to you. Um, but an interesting thing, and what I was gonna say before, but I, I didn't uh, in relation to preparing with breathing exercises for a race. The first thing that came to my mind, I didn't say it because it wasn't your question, but was visualization. Mm. So if you're stressed out about a thing you're probably unprepared, mm. you know, or you're just doing something that really matters and there's no amount of preparation in the world that you're right. not going to be a little bit stressed and the stress is a beautiful thing because it's teeing you up to be able to actually show up and perform mm-hmm. or self-destruct, yeah. vomit on it's stage. It's a fine line, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, it's, it's the question I get from all my coaching clients is like, I'm getting nervous. What do I do about this? And I always, my college coach is the first person to tell me this. He's like, hey, if you're not nervous at all before this race, you might as well go home because you don't care. You don't care. Right. So there's a yeah. little bit of, I always tell them, there's a little bit of nerves and anxiety that's just going to come along for the ride if you actually care about what you're doing. Yeah. The next step is like, how do I minimize the potential like physiological like aftermath of having that kind of happen too yeah. often to the point where you're exhausted at the starting line? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, but, and then we, we have in the Align Method book, we did a whole chapter around how the mind informs the body, you mm-hmm. know, and then also how the body informs the mind. Um, you know, and so within that, there's various different research that suggests that our muscular and neuromuscular development is a product of not just blind, dumb movement. It's the actual, the visualization in the engagement of the movement is a part of the way that we, you know, myelinate and the way that we actually form those neuronal connections. And actually engage those muscles to come online we imagine it like we believe it to be true and then the fist manifests Mm -hmm. or the stride manifests and so the way that researchers have done this and you might have heard of this before as well typically most of them are are like finger exercises Mm -hmm. and i don't remember the the exact specifics of it presently because it's been about a year since I've, i've looked at this specific study 
but they had different groups of, of individuals. One group of individual was actually doing thumb exercises, you know, like, like little thumb dumbbell things. Uh, the other groups were just visualizing the exercise. And then um, I think they had another group doing both at the same time. And what they found was the group that was, that was um, you know, doing both, you know, really focusing, engaging with the movement, not just, you know, watching TV and whatever, you know, going through the movement. They got the most results from it. Mm-hmm. And then the actual movement got like the second most and the visualization got the third most. But it was very close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the visualization was not that far off from the actual movement itself. Which suggests that as we're moving, it's not just about the movement, it's also the, the attention of the movement. Mm-hmm. And so if you're visualizing, and let's talk to any elite performer, I, my guess is you would fall into this category. I mean, certainly elite performer, but the visualization sure. part. The night before, the week before, the month before, they're visualizing every you know, stroke or every, you know, every stride or whatever they're doing. And they're visualizing, maybe they're going like a stoic route. You know, and they're visualizing all the terrible things that could happen. Yeah. And then they're prepared for it. Mm-hmm. That's the insurance policy. They have a, a, a mental visual insurance policy of, oh, I've, I've gone down 65 different paths. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I can't visualize anything that would surprise me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that's the thing. It's like the fear of the unknown is terribly scary. But if you really invest your time in that visualization process, based off of every high performer like elite performer that i've come in contact with um i don't know that i've asked specifically this question to everyone that i've come in contact with but the ones that i've asked this question to it's been unanimous it's like oh yeah that's that's a part of the game Mm -hmm. what do you think about that yeah no you've answered some questions for me i think here because i had one of my biggest breakthroughs i think racing especially 100 milers when uh i kind of accidentally started doing this where I had like my final four to six weeks of training before I was going to kind of taper for the race itself. And I'm starting to get real specific with what I'm going to do on race day. So a lot of times that means like back-to-back long runs. So I might do like a couple three to four hour sessions on back-to-back days. And when I really felt like I had closed that gap on the last day, like 30 miles was when I started using those runs to not just physically prepare, but mentally prepare. So then like say I'm doing a 30 miler, in my mind, it's not a 30 miler. In my mind, it's I'm at mile 70 of the race. I'm going to work through what it feels like to go from mile 70 to mile 100. And if I do that a couple times a week for four to six weeks, I get to the race and I feel like I've closed out that race eight, nine, ten times. And uh, when you get to that point in the race, then it's not like oh, I'm reaching back to last year when I did the, the last 100 miler I did to try to figure out what I did right and wrong there. It's just like immediately there. So I felt like I had already run 100 miles. 10 times over before I, before I actually did it, uh, even though physically I hadn't run one in quite some time. So that when I recognized that, I was like, okay, that's something I have to remember to make sure I'm implementing into this. It's more than just the physical aspect of the long run. It's the mental aspect as well that's going to be preparing you for the end yeah. of the race. There's a, have you ever tried free diving or done any kind of? No. Mm-hmm. All right. So in, I, I'm, I'm super novice with free diving, but I've, I've going out with someone who's not and you know we, we're in tulum and going down different cenotes and mm-hmm. you know i went down like 60 feet which isn't crazy but it's the beginning of it like starting to matter sure <laughs> you know like yeah. pretty much past that it starts to be like okay it's like really matters yeah that's like the the roof of like okay it's kind of anybody can do this but still in that in that time frame it got me thinking um and looking at different people's ted talks i was just enamored by the art and craft of free diving and one of the things that i don't remember who the guy was but there's a ted talk and a guy was talking about his experience with free diving and one of the analogies that came up that i thought was just so good or the stories that came up that it was just like perfect was was you're diving down especially if you're diving down deep your mind is the difference between consuming way too much oxygen and being at ease and being able to go two times, three times the distance. Mm. Because if your mind is going, is rolling because you're freaking out, it becomes calorically expensive. Like fear is calorically expensive. Mm-hmm. Angst is calorically expensive. So I would imagine when you're running a, a good race, it's probably not. And we actually talked about, oh, no, I was talking about this with. What is, how do you call his name? M- M- Michelle Graglia? Oh, yeah. Yep. Michelle. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We did a podcast recently. 
I don't know, like a month ago. Uh-huh. And we were talking about his, his like turmoil with Goggins. Yeah. And he went through the whole story of how, like, did you talk to him about this? Or you, you know about the story? I had him on my podcast as well, but like, I'm not sure we talked about this. Okay, this so we got into, we were, it was it was really fun. Uh-huh. I went, like, very detail by detail of, like, the whole, it was like a soap opera. Yeah. And they're, like, running beside each other. And he was, like, you know, Gregly was just trying, I don't know if I'm saying his name. Is that right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was just trying, he just wanted a buddy. Uh-huh. You know, and he was just, like, and we're on this thing forever. Goggins <laughs> <laughs> wasn't having any of it. <laughs> and so... What Greg was, was was saying was, um, you know, then God, they had this, like, they had it out with each other, and God was just like, fuck off, you know, <laughs> like, you know, I'm not your buddy. And then, so Gregly got angry, kind of, and he started running kind of more, like, with the way he describes, because he's very esoteric, sure. kind of into, like, meditation and spirituality kind of stuff, which is, which is great. Um, but he was describing, he was, like, he was, like, running from his ego. Uh-huh. You know, and so it's more of like this contracted, like, yeah, like I'm gonna show him, and then sure enough, he's smoking him, but then his body breaks down. Mm-hmm. You know, and so by the end, he practically, from my understanding, had to like drag himself to to the finish line. Still smoked him, but it would have been dramatically, well, it's it's impossible to say, but he probably could have done it much cleaner, mm-hmm. you know, and efficiently had he not run with that that angst that and that anger. anger. That's interesting because I always think uh, I was one of the one when I was on the Lex Friedman podcast a while back, he asked me a question kind of similar to this where he described like two of his previous guests, like Sam Harris and, uh, and David Goggins, who are like when you just listen to those guys talk about like their day to day operations, it's like they couldn't be more different from one another. Like Sam is kind of like you need to like address a situation and take a step back and like analyze it, calm yourself down and really bring it down to zero. Whereas Goggins is just like, you know, the more fired up he gets, the more energy he feels he can put out. And he, Lex asked me, like, well, which one are you? Are you a Goggins or are you, are you a Sam Harris? I'm like, I kind of feel like I try to use both those guys as tools to a degree, like in the sense of how their, their approach is. And I'm guessing they both do too. It's just their kind of public appearance is coming across as that polarizing. But I always think, like, I'd want to be like the Sam Harris all the way up until that last striking point where I know I'm close enough where I can empty the tank, so to speak. Then I like, then use anger and close that thing out. And then think about like that sort of stuff if it's going to fire you up, but make sure you time it right because you don't want to find yourself at mile 90 and you already burned that match, so to speak. Yeah. And that's, I mean, so you can pretty much make metaphors for, to connect with the human experience with anything mm-hmm. you know so the goggins harris thing yeah so Gar- harris is more first gear it's why you know, he's got call. a meditation app <laughs> he's got a freaking meditation app <laughs> yeah, goggins doesn't have a meditation app. <laughs> <laughs> like come on <laughs> yeah and then goggins is more like ride it to the you know ride it to yeah. the wheels fall off uh-huh. you know put it away dirty just get that shit done <laughs> you know <sighs> You know, and then I don't. I don't know Goggins personally. From my understanding, he has like some physical, like joint stuff and certain things that you know. Perhaps there was a little bit, maybe at times. I can't speak for anybody else's experience, but maybe more fourth and fifth gear than was sustainable for a a body that could recuperate mm-hmm. and heal and and kind of maintain that that middle position. Or from a joint perspective joint centration or neutrality you know balance mm-hmm. you know and so within our so we have the, the breathing relationship of that um, but we also have you know the physical relationship of that and so you want to have both you want to have access to all of it so if you were just a specialized athlete you know or specialized thinker you know it's like specialization is for insects mm-hmm. if you're just in that space then you really I think you there's there's inherently a limitation on um your ability, I think like your, your ability, your creative capacity, your ability to create innovation, you know, which I think is an interesting thing that happens in sports as well. You know, people coming up with a completely different style of movement, you know, mm-hmm. that like the, was it Roger Bannister that jumped over the, the, was he the, he was the, the sub four minute mile, sub four minute, oh, Roger, who was the guy that jumped over the, oh, the thing? Fosbury? Yes, the Fosbury <laughs> flop. Yeah. That's it. 
<laughs> so without that adaptability, if he was excessively yeah. special, specialized, he didn't have the capacity to adapt or the, re, the resourcefulness to adapt into a circumstance, then we'd never have the Fosbury flop. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's having that full, being a full spectrum human being, yeah. a full range human being. That to me, I think is, it's not just good for athletics, but it, 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 it's, it's like a part of accessing like your, your human potential. As a father, as a mother, as an athlete, as a business person, just as a human being. Mm-hmm. If you get too driven into one gear, I think you, you eventually you burn that gear out. Yeah, it's interesting. I think uh, the one thing I wanted to ask about, because I mean, the breath stuff is amazing. I've been getting a lot of questions from listeners, too, about, hey, bring in someone to talk about breathing and yeah. you know, nose breathing versus mouth breathing and that sort of stuff. So this is really good stuff. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about just like kind of like the physical aspect of running and I'm sure there is a breathing and a mental component to this as well because it's probably going to put you in a position to physically be doing the right things more often but what is it like physically is so first of all maybe I should ask do you think like running is kind of a natural movement or are we getting like are we taking it to an extreme certainly I probably am with ultra marathons where you're running yourself into the ground for 100 miles versus just trying to say travel 100 miles for however long it takes uh, but just the act of running in a little more of a like a modest amount, is that like a m- locomotion you think humans are more or less designed and capable of tolerating? Yeah, I mean, it's like the movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just the, the issue comes if you put a, a wrench into an engine mm-hmm. and then you have the engine do what engines do, you'll probably create issues. Or you put some sand in the gas tank and you have engines do what engines do, you'll probably have some issues. Yeah. You know, so if you're like... How do you pronounce tar- Tarumara? Tarumara? Tarumara. It's, and Tarumara it's technically a, like, that got like retranslated to English. It's actually like Raramara, I think. It's Raramara. For, for the, the, the native like, yeah, pronunciation so if you're for, So if you're part of the Raramara or however mm-hmm. we pronounce that. Yeah. I can't say that. It sounds like I'm slurring. <laughs> um, if you're part of that scenario where it's like, oh, yeah, from day one, we never were exposed to wearing high-heeled shoes. Mm-hmm. We weren't sitting in chairs at 90 degrees flexion of the ankles and the knees and the hips and you know slouching over you know hyper not just hyperkyphosis but the upper cross syndrome of the the head you know which is just forward head posture mm-hmm. and so we're creating this inherent compression and con- and constriction in the body instability and balance mm-hmm. and then opening the body up and saying okay go for a run that's where the problem comes is, is we need to it takes a lot of uh, preparation to get the body to be actually available to run without creating friction. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think a starting point would be going through like a joint by joint approach and saying, you know, how's my toe hinge? You know, am I able to like one of the best, one of the most supportive things a person can do would be just spending time on the ground. If you're spending time on the ground, you're going to naturally be mobilizing your joints you're mm-hmm. going to be you're going to be bringing that new fresh healthy synovial fluid and you know you're going to be getting rid of all the old fluids you just you're, you become like a better processing cellular processing plant mm-hmm. just by having that pressure up against the ground so go into a, a toe sit every now and again just sitting down on your knees bring your toes up so you're starting to open, spread the toes nice and wide you know avoiding that tendency of maybe that like bunion effect where the big toe kind of creeps mm-hmm. in you know spread the toes nice and wide come down in a toe sit be in that position for a little bit, right? And then point the toes, come into plantar flexion. You can maybe lean back a little bit, open up some space in around the quads and the hip flexors. Do a, like a, a butterfly pose, opening up some space in the adductors and the hip flexors again. Cross your legs, straddle position, getting more into the hamstrings. So if that was the culture that you grew up in or you've turned that to become the culture of the way that you, you know, engage with your family or maybe Mm -hmm. your friends or your work you know or just your general lifestyle that you're naturally opening up all these nooks and crannies and spaces in the body and then also re-engaging those nooks and crannies and spaces and we could talk about that too Mm -hmm. then i think that the body is available to run or ready to run and then running becomes therapeutic sure but if you know if you've got some railroad tracks and the tracks are kind of askew, you know, and there's a cup. It's like, oh, the track's like almost broken. Like it's like, you know, the tracks are not quite meeting per- perfectly. You could run a few trains over those tracks. Mm-hmm. 
But if you're running, say, cool, I'm going to be like ultra marathon track guy. Yeah. It's like that railroad track's probably not a sustainable railroad track. Like you, we need to find congruence on the track. You know, so that was kind of a long roundabout way of saying like, yes, it's it's one of the most important movements. I think especially sprinting mm-hmm. is incredibly valuable because it, it, it forces the body into, um, you know, performance or alignment. Yeah, it's hard to be mechanically unsound when you're moving that fast. Your yeah. almost body almost finds the right spot out of necessity. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a quote from a guy called Franz Bosch. He says, there's more variability in waltz than there is in sprinting. So if you're waltzing, oh. you can kind of do anything. You, like, in, if you're not loaded and you're not moving fast, you can pretty much do almost anything with your body, and it's still kind of functional, in quotations. Yeah. Go a little faster put a little bit more weight on, suddenly it's like, whoa, the range of what is functional gets way more narrow. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that that's a beautiful practice for someone, and, and McKenzie, Brian McKenzie would agree with this as well. Um, really, if you want to run far, and this is a place where I would more be asking you questions, to be sure. honest, but I'd be curious your thoughts. I think a, a great place to at least be spending some energy on is um, understanding the, the mechanics of also moving fast. Mm-hmm. Do you disagree with that? Oh, that's absolutely right. In fact, I'll, uh, I'll actually, when I'm programming, I'm coaching mostly ultra runners, but I'll coach anything from like 5K up to basically, you know, whatever ultra marathon distance a person wants to do. And really just depends like an order of operations, in my opinion, as to when you do certain things like fast running, like race pace running, things like that. But when I get ultra runners that are like, well, why are we doing these short intervals? Why are we sprinting? Why are we doing hill bounds and stuff like that? I mean, one of the reasons I justify it is exactly what you just said. It's like we're going we're gonna to probably improve your form. We're going to improve your ability to tolerate the proper mechanics for a longer period of time by putting those muscles through that aggressive of workload. Yeah. Uh, and it's just going to be something that we can also layer on the activity you want to peak at eventually on a much better foundation. Yeah. So that sort of stuff I think is really valuable. Uh, and it's definitely right in line with what I'm kind of doing as a coach and in practice as well. Yeah. So. And then, and then going up and saying what's happening with our ankles, you know, and have you done a, a podcast with Ben from, from Knees Over Toes? Ben Patrick? No. Yeah. I okay. actually uh, I had him scheduled a while back, and we had to reschedule, and then he was in the middle of a move and having okay. his kids, so we haven't gotten a chance to put it back on yet. Okay. But I was going to say, he'd be another really I good I actually good used his well. zero program quite a bit when I was rehabbing my ankle when I injured it this nice. past summer. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a huge fan of his stuff. He's I got, think Ben's a sweetie, and I really like his... What's great about him is he's... He's really simplified things, mm-hmm. and he's also almost exclusively doing the opposite of yeah. what people have been suggesting for the last decade or so. He's removing the band-aid, so let's fix this thing at its core, yeah. versus put you in a position where you just can't do what you want to do. Yeah, and there's an interesting book uh, by a guy called Paul Arden, and it's called Whatever You Think, Think the Opposite. And I think that's the case with so much of what we learn about nutrition, so much of what we learn about movement. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, like, so Ben's Ben's knees over toes stuff, and he's obviously not the first person to say, "Sure, put your freaking knees over your toes <laughs> and get some dorsiflexion." Like, it's in, in, invaluable uh-huh. um, to be able to get that positive shin angle and be able to like that's that's how you that's how you do any like meaningful sport. If you're playing bas- basketball or mm-hmm. hockey or whatever it is, if you want to be good at your sport your knees are going to go well over your toes. That's how you're going to be able And if you can get down low and also have drive up into the hip, yeah. now you're an athlete. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward to most people's like workout routines, and they got the memo that if you allow those knees to drift forward, then all of a sudden you're going to blow out your knees, uh-huh. and you really need to put all of that energy into the hips because it's the most robust joint complex. You're just all in the glutes. It's like, yes, totally, absolutely. And... That's 50% of the equation. Mm-hmm. Now, let's go the opposite direction. You know, and so in the body, it's like being able to have full functional mobility, which is also kind of a made-up word. Um, Kelly Starrett, I think, would be the, the, the founder of the term mobility. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, so a lot of these words, are, they have different meanings for different people. Uh-huh. You know, but mobility in the sense that I can go through a full range of motion and I can still maintain engagement and control. If I'm just passively flopping in different directions, but there's no actual muscular recruitment from that range, then that's dangerous for another reason. Sure. 
You know, so it's pretty like it's pretty simple to be effective in a body. It's not as complicated as we think. And somebody like Ben, who just kind of it seems like he's just kind of like scratching his own itch. Yeah. You know, and going through is like, I think I need this range of motion. Okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll do this exercise. I'll call it the what does he call it? Is one thing like the Ben step or something. Yeah, it's the yeah. Ben step. The Patrick step or something. Patrick like that. step. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's the Patrick step. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is only flirt. It's like you can do that. Like, mm -hmm. like you can get curious about your body. And if there's limitation in one range, it seems like an important one, such as the ankle. Yeah. You know, if you don't have full functionality of the feet and the ankle, you know, and the, the foot's comprised of 26 bones, 33 joints. You know, it's like it is a complex mechanism that mm -hmm. foot. The reason that it is so darn complex is, is it's built to be able to engage and distribute the energy from the ground. So if you go on contoured surfaces and your foot's not able to absorb that effectively, where the heck else could the energy go? It ends up trickling up into the knee. Yeah. You know, it's a similar thing. If you have torques and twists in the hips, it'll, it'll go down. Like the body, the, you can't create or destroy energy. You can just move it around. So you can't create or destroy I don't know if this is going to work exactly, but compensation. You just move it around. Uh -huh. You can't hide anything. Right. Those impact forces are going somewhere. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. I think one of the reasons I'm sitting in the ultra footwear booth versus maybe a different brand's booth is because of those very reasons. It's, I think there's a lot more to it than just picking the right shoe. Obviously, you have to do the right things outside of that. But that's kind of putting yourself in a position to, uh, you know, their philosophy is a balanced cushion. So right away, we're not going to put you in a position where your body has to cork itself in a way to find balance in an awkward position and then the foot shaped toe box you're freeing up that big toe or letting that power drive through and let those toes play out so they also feeds into the balance side of things and that proper posture but without kind of the the, the rest of the stuff to go with it or if you've historically just essentially what i call casted your foot up with a lot of support and a lot of structure it's like yeah you might take that shoe off run on the beach and hurt yourself now, was that the beach's fault or is it your fault for atrophying that part of your body for the last however many years and then now you no longer have the robust nature of that that activity to be able to do it? And I think, talk about guys like Ben Patrick, I think he kind of maybe lucked out that he was a little less durable than the average person and he broke down in high school to the point where now he's like, I got to solve this problem. And the problems all identified themselves for him because he's like, my knees are killing me, my hips are killing me, my ankles are killing me. So I got to address way those are moving and the way I strengthening it around it so it's kind of a little more obvious to him versus maybe somebody who quote unquote gets away with it for quite a while and uh finds themselves like in their mid-30s and injured and they're like hey you know I'm just getting old I need to retire I need to stop this activity whereas Ben was still young and very much wanted to participate so he was going to solve that problem and that's why he went his direction the other thing I feel like we have to wrap up is that right is that what yeah that we're probably coming up about to the end here yeah. so um I'm enjoying this conversation. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> These are like I hope you'll come back for a part two, yeah, three, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but so another thing, continuing on with like mechanics and such, and more down the line of, of um, some of some Ben's, Ben's work, um, getting into not being afraid of strengthening your hip flexors mm -hmm. not being afraid of strengthening your psoas and your iliacus and all those muscles that the non-sexy muscles the <laughs> non-sexy muscles and uh, but an issue within that though i think that's really common is i think most people one that's it's like this this like like vanishing space our abdomen and our so it's like for most people in western culture like myself included like we're not really raised with much awareness of what's going on in our midsection Mm -hmm. Other than having sweet abs, yeah, <laughs> you know, but like organ function yeah. or like you know those those, those deep intraabdominal muscles or you know the transverse abdominis or psoas or you know all that deep stuff. Very few people, like you do, you know, but probably people listening to this actually have any kind of real meaningful relationship with that space. And if they do, it's they think it's too tight. Tight is also a made up word. Mm -hmm. Right. It could be short, you know, but right. tight, like you want a tight muscle. Right. It's like a rubber band, right? Yeah. You need like it tight. Yeah, tight. <laughs> like tight. Yeah, I'm tight. Perfect. I'm also loose. Yeah. You know, it's like a, it's, there's a, what is it? I think Jimmy Page. I have this quote in my book. It says, my music is, is tight but loose. That's your body. Sure. Like you want your body to be tight but loose. You want your body to be Sam Harris but David Goggins. You want your body to be first gear but fifth gear. 
Nice. They're all tools, right? They're They're all all tools. tools, you know, and so and so what can happen when you have a resistance or a fear that's developed from education or, you know, whatever it may be, maybe intuition of a place that, okay, if you're sitting all the time, that means those hip flexors and, you know, the deep psoas, iliacus, all those guys must be really tight. I don't want to strengthen them. That would be a terrible idea. They're already too tight. Mm -hmm. But the issue with that is a muscle that's just locked short, that's just stuck in that position, it doesn't mean it's strong. It just means it's locked short. Mm -hmm. So a way to, you want to have an adaptive, supple muscle and fascia and connective tissue and cardiovascular system. Like Mm -hmm. that's the key to health. And so doing something like actually actively strengthening those muscles is a really beautiful idea. And that's like the, the, the monkey foot. Oh yeah. You ever seen that thing? Uh huh. Yeah. You know, so you could get a, get a weight. There's the, the, they have a thing called the monkey foot that I think is great. Um, you know, and, and hanging, you know, you could have your, your foot hanging off of a box or something, you know, and just one, that traction of having a weight pulling that leg, opening up through the, the QL oh, and all those, all the stuff in the, like the side body lengthening that, that's beautiful. You could just be shrugging that hip, creating some space, let it come down, shrug, and then coming up and actively engaging those muscles, hip flexors, mm-hmm. while you're engaging those, paying attention to the mechanics of the rest of the body. So... I think we'll probably just have to have a part two because I feel like, oh, I'm, yeah. like just, just, I'm like could, we need to keep going into this another, man. another hour on like three or four topics. But like if you'll if you'll uh, entertain me, I would definitely yeah. have you back on sooner but rather so, than but later. The, but the, what I'm what I'm saying there is just because a muscle has been shortened doesn't mean that it couldn't use some education. Sure. And that education isn't just exclusively passively stretching it the other direction. Awesome. And this has been really cool, Aaron. Where can the listeners find you? as they're anticipating round two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would listen to your conversation on the Align podcast. I had you on there. Or, or listen to the, 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 the Graglia, Graglia sure, yeah. conversation where we get into his, his thing with Goggins. Um, so yeah, I've been on the podcast for seven years. We have like, I don't know, a lot of episodes. Mm-hmm. And um, so if they want to go more deeper into this stuff, Align podcast would be a great place. And then I have the Align Method book is coming out January 11th, 2022. So one, awesome. one, one, two, two. Can they pre-book that for Christmas presents by any chance? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, cool. you, you pre-order Good deal. for sure. There yeah, so that's, so that's, that's, that would be the main thing if you want to go deeper in these conversations. I think the book um, and the podcast and then everything is on uh, my and face. And Adeline podcast on Instagram is a spot. Instagram. Yeah. People can find you. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll link all that in the show notes, folks. So if you're interested in checking out more about what Aaron's doing and following along, I would highly recommend it. Uh, you'll have that info there. And until next time, thanks again for taking some time out today to join me here at the running event and record a, an hour of uh, breathing. I won't, I'm not going to say mobility. <laughs> Movement. <laughs> They're all just words. Yeah, Movement's yeah, right, a word yeah. too, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all subjective. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. All right, thank you, bro. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. All right, folks, if you are interested in adding some structure to your training program, I have some options that might interest you. Over on my website, ZachBitter.com, I have a wide range of ready-made plans that have options for beginners to advanced endurance athletes. I also have personalized plan options where I will cater a plan specific to the event you are preparing for and your personal schedule and training availability. You can also access a variety of add-on options from email collaboration to consultation calls to help guide you through your training and nutrition needs. You can access these with or without a formal plan. So head over to ZachBitter.com and let me know what you think.